0: Thanks for tuning in to our Marvel episode of A Little Too Quiet. We have a very special guest on today's show. It is April Baer, the host of Michigan Radio's Stateside, a longtime award-winning broadcast journalist uh, who came to Michigan from Oregon. We're really glad to have her on the podcast. I know that she is a a Marvel mega fan when she is otherwise not on the radio, so I invited her onto the show. But just a quick note, there are one or two curse words in this podcast that are unbleeped, so it's a bit more of adult language going on in here. So just a note ahead of time. So thanks for tuning in. All right, so this is a all Marvel episode of the Ferndale Library's podcast, which is called "A Little Too Quiet," and it is brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. And my name is Jeff, and Abby's joining me again. Hello. And we have a very special guest. It is none other than the host of Stateside, Michigan Radio. It's April Bear.
1: You guys, I am so excited. You asked me to do this. I have not. I have not been able to nerd adequately since last weekend in Comic Con. So uh, hopefully this is going to get all my ya-ya's out.
0: Timing is perfect. That we. I don't even know how this came about. You know what actually this is how this came about, April? And first of all, of course, welcome to the podcast. It's so, so good to have you.
1: A great pleasure to be here.
0: It's because, and I think that this was palpable between Abby and I and a couple of the Mar- Marvel fans here. We were starting, and Abby this is a safe safe space you could say we were starting to like have weird feelings like are we sure we know where phase four is going and yeah. how do we feel about the latest releases and mm-hmm. we're missing that endgame magic in our hearts and but spoiler alert we get to comic con and we all watch black panther's trailer and we're like we're back in
2: yes we're all back in <laughs> it just drew us right back in it was like and- you missed us
0: yes
1: and Jeff, I have to say, like, as somebody, I think, I think a lot of people, myself included, have sort of gone down that road of like, really, where is all this going? But it's so easy to forget, like, we made it, I feel like, with, with a few exceptions for, for the faithful who had like both read a bunch of comics and seen a bunch of movies, we kind of made it through the first three Iron Man movies and a couple of Thor's and maybe a Captain America before, like there was really starting to be, you know, the, the the arc of where things were going with the Infinity Stones really started coming together. I mean, dude, I'm so ready to just be along for the ride at this point, and sure. I don't even care if it all comes together. But sure. but if you're looking for that, I feel like it's you know you know what I mean, like in Eternals, yeah. um, you know when the tech and the Eternals started taking shape, and then Shang Chi came along, and it's like. You know, tell me those rings are not eternals tech.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. You bring up They're a great
1: there. They're you, getting there. Yeah. You definitely. bring up a great
0: point. And I think it was gonna be a question I was going to ask at some point in this episode was going to be when did your inner Marvel maniac kind of really turn on? Because I know we all saw two thousand eight Iron Man and we were like, Well, that was fun. That was really charming. Having like early on, having no idea that it would lead to this. Huge, huge, galaxy-defying franchise. I think when I felt excitement around Marvel was around a little film, this is not a unique answer, called Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) So, (laughs) which came out in 2014. And I think that speaks to what you're getting at, uh, April, is that 08 to 2013, Marvel wasn't quite on fire yet. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though they were making a quality product, I don't think I'm almost wondering. He he said expanding his own personal experience to everybody. If we all just didn't get the bug when when Guardians came out.
2: I was thinking about that. I've been thinking about that since you uh, gave me that question, and I was like, when did I really really get into it? And I'm going to actually say, in. It's very, it's not, it's a very unique answer.
0: Thor The Dark World.
2: No. Okay. No. (laughs) It's actually the first Iron Man movie. Uh, So I had no idea what it was going to turn into. Sure. Mind you, when that movie came out, I was still a kid and I became obsessed and then I started reading the comics and then I was like, Oh my God, what if they make more movies? And then they did. And I was like, what "What if if they 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 make more
1: movies and what
2: have they, (laughs) what indeed. So it was, it was actually the first one I took that. And I ran with it when everyone else was like, Oh, that's a nice movie. I was like, but what if they make Mm -hmm, more? mm -hmm. And then, um, Captain America came out and I was like, what if they make more? And then. Of course, I fell in love with Loki in the first Thor movie and it
1: was over at that point. I was like, yes,
2: big,
0: (laughs) big Loki fan over here. Big, big Loki fan. How about you, April?
1: So the funny thing about the MCU with me is that I grew up in like Chris Claremont era X-Men times. Like That was was high school that right. That was high school for me. And that was kind of my that was my Marvel, you know. And I didn't really, like, I didn't read, I didn't read Fantastic Four. I didn't read Avengers. I didn't read Thor. I truly did not clue in on a lot of interesting, I was, I was very stupid and late to the party for, like, Miles Morales and all your good Brian Michael Bendis titles until much later when I was living in Portland, Oregon. And, like, these people were seen at the grocery store and stuff. It was crazy. So, like... I kind of, like, I, I kind of activated when the X-Men movies were such as they were, were happening. And, you know, I was just taking the good bits where I could get them. We had, it's so funny, like, so much of my Marvel stuff is kind of through the lens of my kid because, like, my childhood nerdism was very much Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. And again, like, you know, sort of late 80s X-Men stuff. My daughter... The the first three years of my daughter's life, my husband and I, we, we just we watched the Iron Man movies on New Year's Eve. So I have these real vivid memories of being completely sleep deprived and just totally messed up. <laughs> that was what we were doing. It was like we we sent away for the DVDs on Netflix. Let's what let's watch these fun comic book movies. They look really good.
0: Mail and order it- DVDs.
1: <laughs> right. So so quaint. So quaint. So like. <laughs> He and I were were pretty much in for it, starting with that. Great, and then it things things kind of went bananas the year my daughter was seven. We're sitting there watching the national title game, and that was the when the first time they showed the trailer for Black Panther. And I knew that they were going to show it, so I was like, Ugh. and my daughter, who has been like very, you know, like very anti Wonder Woman, just not having mommy's nerd thing. She looks at me kind of sideways, and she she's like can I go see that movie? (laughs) Baby girl, mama's been waiting seven long years for you to say those very words. That is amazing. We took her to Black Panther. She pretty much lost her mind. And then we felt like we needed to get her ready for Infinity War. So at home, we watched like one one film a week to catch her up on everything. And since then, like it's been, it's what we do together, you know? And we've watched all the all the Phase Four series together, and um, yeah, it's. I mean, it was gonna this this stuff was gonna hit me big either way, but I have I have extra extra special feels about Marvel because of all that.
0: Incredible, incredible. Uh, I I was probably too young, but I have older siblings, and I was able to see those Chris Claremont comic books from 1991, and then X Men, and then bringing it into the 1993 Fox. Saturday morning cartoon X-Men.
1: Oh, so, sorry.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I was all on board. I was all on board for X-Men. And I think that I was a trepidatious toward these solo superhero movies because I I grew up in a 1989 Michael Keaton.
1: Batman world, yeah. Batman
0: world. And then I'm exposed to the X-Men X-Men uh, x united x-men 2 x-men 3 what have you uh so i just wasn't sure if these marvel characters could carry an entire movie a single iron man movie or a single captain america movie my my only exposure to marvel was just x-men so i these these other guys i knew they were in the avengers but a movie just about iron man i was like skeptical
1: why would you do that yeah
0: Yeah. and and how would it even hold a candle to batman only batman should have his own movies abby
1: were you like what was your did you have like any any like feeling feels at all about the x-men movies well let me tell you
2: um
0: big wolverine fan over here
1: (laughs)
2: huge wolverine fan. so let's see the the first x-men movie came out in two thousand and zero two thousand two thousand. zero two thousand okay so i was born in 97 so i was very young um i watched it for the first time because my dad got it from family video and I watched it for the first time because the second one had came out and he wanted to watch them both. And that was my first introduction into Marvel. I was obsessed. I watched all of the um, X-Men TV show at the time. And then there was X-Men Evolution, Wolverine and the X-Men. So I only knew of the Mm X-Men. And then I got into that and I was drifting with that for a while. And then I discovered the Avengers. And then a couple years later, Iron Man came out, and I was like...
0: Perfect timing.
2: And I didn't really know much about the Avengers. I wasn't really interested, because I was like, who are these people? They're right. not X-Men. Right. Yeah, who, those people are amazing. Right. <laughs> so when I saw the Iron Man movie, and it was really good, yeah. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Yeah. This is going to be great.
0: I think that X-Men's outsider status was something that I was attracted to, rather than, oh, you're a guy who gets in a suit and flies around, or... You're uh, a Norse god from space. Mm-hmm. It was more like, oh, you're you're special and you have great powers, but society is afraid of you and you're an outsider. I really, really tapped into those X Men rather than I couldn't get into the billionaire, playboy, yeah, philanthropist, brilliant scientist, etc. Until Robert Downey Jr. gets in the role, and, and then I get excited. You, um, you know
1: that moment when when uh, Tony says um, in Avengers, you know, we were barely a team. And I, was, I remember having a moment where I was like, have you seen most of the super teams? Have you, have you heard of the X-Men? You want to talk about like barely keeping it together. Yep. Honestly.
0: Yep. yep. I feel like before I go any further, we should just, we have to mention Spider-Man 2002. That is another key thing in actually yeah. building the Marvel Mania starring Tobey Maguire, directed by Sam Raimi. Abby's making eyes. Comments, Abby?
2: So I'm going to admit something. I was not allowed to watch Spider-Man. And I, I saw the first one. The reason why was because...
0: I mean, Willem Dafoe is a little <laughs> terrifying. So
2: I um, got Nightmares from Green Goblin. Yeah. So when oh, the Venom one yeah. came out, my dad was like, absolutely not. So I did not get to enjoy Spider-Man. I, and I did not go see Amazing Spider-Man. I did not actually see that until last year no this year (laughs) this year um but spider-man's easily like my favorite now and i'm kind of mad i didn't watch them when i was younger but i got like really bad night terror so my dad was like absolutely not and then i was like it's just this kid that no no he is that person (laughs) he is amazing uh
0: yeah so and then another just quick footnote i I, just tell me if i'm getting too geeky here april um what we impossible really should shout out especially is in 1998 a movie called blade comes out and is probably on a minimal budget but grosses well over 100 million dollars and it's the it's the secret unsung actual door opener for all of this comic book mania because then you get x-men in 2000 then you get spider-man in 2002 and then Jeff,
1: Jeff, is that is that true like the studios kind of like looked at that and were like holy crap people will go and spend money on these movies
0: I think what the studios said was, okay, well that worked. We'll try this X-Men thing.
1: I did we'll not know that. that. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. So Blade huh. was Blade was integral for that. So
2: He is the father.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Basically. And, that, and now there's Blades coming back in phase five. That's gonna be great. Now, yeah. um where was I going with this? I had a point.
1: Uh, oh, uh early so, touchstones. Yeah.
0: When Spider-Man comes out, it is an even bigger hit than x-men an even bigger hit than blade ever was mm-hmm. and i really think that's the beginning of nerd culture taking over yes. uh we have marvel shows all over disney we have a new lord of the rings show coming back around we have sandman getting a show it's just these were things yeah you
1: know i have to i'm gonna i'm gonna stop you there jeff yeah I, <laughs> <laughs> um okay can this is my husband if he could hear me he would just be shaking his head right now but um I don't know, like, do we have to give it up for, you know, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy, too? Absolutely. I mean, that was just yes. such a watershed in, in movie making and nerddom. I mean, you talk about, like, first of all, permanent employment for most of the British stage, you know, and, <laughs> and, and showing that you could do things over an arc. Yeah. You know, I mean, nobody had... Uh, it wasn't it wasn't like that with the Star Wars series, right. you know, where you're you're like making your plans for next December, this December. Right. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like some of what some of what, uh you know, Feige's been able to do. You've got to you got to send send a send a little a little C note to Peter Jackson. Absolutely.
0: For... Wow. What a nerdy year 2002 was. You had an Seriously. X-Men movie. You had a Lord of the Rings, a Spider-Man, a Star Wars movie. Uh,
1: You know, I was just I was just watching I was watching Bodice Rippers while I had COVID. And I realized like in 1995, Sense and Sensibility came out and uh, uh, Clueless. And um, there was an amazing the Colin Firth uh, Pride and Prejudice series on the BBC. Mm. That was all in 1995. Like there must just be magical years for superheroes and Jane Austen heroines.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Basically, yeah. (laughs) To bring it back to Guardians of the Galaxy, though and why I had reticence until that point. It did seem that, I don't know, you know, Captain America, that's actually a really good movie. Tommy Lee Jones is great in it. It's great. But Captain America was such a, a stuffed shirt to me, just a buzzkill kind of a guy. And I wasn't tapping into to Tony Stark yet. And the Thor movies, uh, exactly. So when yeah. Guardians come around and it's irreverent and there's an amazing soundtrack and it is like, if not 70% comedy. I was like, whoa, Marvel can do this. So I think that, that really excited me. And then almost like the, within the next year, you get another Marvel comedy, which is um, Ant-Man near and dear to my heart. And then, so once, once Marvel was able to get kind of a verve to it, kind Mm -hmm. of a bit of a swagger, I think, and I think you really see that open up in the screenplays. I think there's just more jokes and it, it's all it's all popping i love it yeah. anyway
2: i definitely think their ability to do comedy and insert comedy just in other of their movies that are not supposed to be comedic yeah. helped a lot because it made the characters seem more real right instead of just stiff and you know we got to be serious about everything right
0: right so i think we should talk about uh, before we get into phase four just talk about the i guess what it What it is about these movies, because I've kind of been getting close to it, What it is about these movies that we have really appreciated most of all? Like I've talked about, well, I haven't actually talked about it. Here's what I love about these movies. I'm gonna get right into it. It's not the action, and it's not even necessarily the special effects or the or the uh, soundtracks. Um, my favorite kinds of scenes are Captain America, Civil War, you know, Tony Stark complaining about people putting coffee grounds into the garbage disposal. like when they're just. <laughs> hanging out when they are just yeah. hanging out or if it's see,
1: Natasha it's, eating the crappy peanut butter sandwich with her hair all messed up
0: those are the magic moments in
1: end game those are the yeah. magic
0: moments or our ant-man and the wasp when they are trying to look undercover but they're wearing baseball hats that's the magic for me i just love seeing these people hang out and i don't know why
2: Honestly, if there was an Avenger sitcom, I wanted an Avengers sitcom yeah. so much because yes. I was like if I could just have the movies are great. If I could just have more of them in everyday life, like a good TV show type mm-hmm. sitcom, I would be happy, yeah. honestly. Yeah. That's that's all I really care about. Yeah.
0: Or uh debating what what actually constitutes uh pepper in the kitchen all right that's great yeah. or thor and loki riding the elevator debating whether or not to do you know help help that's the magic
2: you know what i want yeah right help. Help. spider-man to meet loki that's all i wanted oh. i didn't get it but i i just feel like peter parker and loki would have been a great sitcom episode <laughs> I,
1: I, Jeff, I almost feel like the question is too big because for me, like there has been there has been so much stuff about superhero movies and nerd movies in general mm-hmm. that the MCU has healed, um, just like incredible casting, mm-hmm. just incredible, like the the, re- the single handed revival of Robert Downey Jr.'s career. From 80s, you know, Brat Pack dude to highest, you know, like one of the highest paid actors in the world. That's insane. And it's like, that's just, that was his role. It was never going to be anybody else's role. And also just like, when they when they said they'd cast Benedict Cumberbatch at Doctors, as Doctor Strange, I was just like, what? But again, like, can you possibly imagine anybody else in that role right now? Yeah. Brie Larson. Um, oh my God, Simu Liu. Just like... Everything, everything with Sean-Chi. I mean, the fact that you got Tony Lung into a, a superhero movie, I mean, just give give the casting directors the Oscar like just right now. Absolutely. And be done with it. There's so much there's so much great stuff in terms of casting. Not every time, but most of the time the effects have just like had me gasping for breath. Mm-hmm. Um the storytelling, the way that, you know, the way that They've, you know, there were so many things that went wrong when Marvel decided to, you know, that they were going to have sto- have stories in 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 Marvel reflect, you know, the United States. There were so many things that went wrong with, you know, just fans behaving badly and the company, you know, walking things back. And it was just so disappointing. And the MCU has just been blown right by all that. Like, you know what? We're not even dealing with all y'all. We're just doing this. is This is a story. And. You guys are welcome to have your arm table arm table conversations, but we're busy making you know we're busy making myths here, and and sound oh my god sound music supervision Jeff Milo do I even need to say anything about this in your presence no. I don't think so like
0: <laughs> no the like, soundtracks are incredible
1: to do the Black Panther soundtrack <laughs> exactly. I mean I'm just uh, okay um, I'll or, calm down or on
0: an even nerdier Seriously. on an even nerdy level level for me Mark Mothersbaugh doing Ragnarok is a is right? a great nerdy term. It, absolutely.
1: Just all of it. It's all, but, but I'm sorry. I, I, I'm afraid I had to to go in full rant there. But I think the thing, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. I really think the thing that has been the best about it is the way that they haven't just hinted at the wider world. Mm -hmm. Like you just get little glimpses in Shang-Chi when, so they're in Madripoor and they're in Shang-Chi's sister's place. And Wong shows up, cage fighting, you know, for money, and he's fighting. Uh, what's his name? The the baddie from Hulk.
0: The Abomination. Yes.
1: Uh, yeah. The Abom- Yeah. He's fighting the Abomination. It's just like, wait, what? I mean, the the thing we always loved about Star Wars was like there was the wider suggestion of the galaxy, but no, man, like it's all going on like just a few feet off screen, and you get to see this much of it. They've they've just paved the way for eternal variation on these themes. <laughs> fabulous
0: yes and and it's, it's all in the subtlety too it's not like we're doing a, a slow zoom close-up on the abomination it, it's almost blink and you miss it yep uh and that's what 19 movies ago but
1: yeah uh, <laughs>
0: Kind of opens up into phase five. We're very much not far away from She-Hulk coming around. Mm-hmm. And the trailers have hinted that the Tim Roth character from the 2000, I think 2008, if not 2009, Edward Norton Hulk Hulk movie is coming back into the MCU. So that, you know, my fellow Marvel family members were like, is that Edward Norton movie still canon? And I'm like, kind of. Uh, so-
1: Guys, how do we feel about um, the overlapping the overlap, the overlapping of, of different, like the Sony films and stuff in the multiverse. Because, like, I'm as happy as the next girl to see Charlie Cox enter the MCU. And frankly, I'd be here for it if, like, everybody, with the possible exception of Danny Rand, you know, works their way over. I mean, we get it. We, we do need to talk about Danny, but <laughs> like, the, the jessica jones series was so revelatory and like mike Coulter, yes a thousand times yes mm. um there's so many things but i i don't know like the netflix marvel series were so dead serious yes. about things and i'm just real curious to see like i literally screamed when wilson fisk turned up in hawkeye but uh, you know, it's like with with the different director. Is it gonna is it gonna be okay? Or are we mm-hmm. gonna be in good mm-hmm. hands here? I do don't you, know.
0: Is that what you might be most worried about? Other than there's a difference. Yeah. In, okay.
1: I mean, because uh, like they kind of all the stuff that happened in Multiverse of Madness, they kind of did those things because they could.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and uh, like the fact that like all the Spider Men look a little different. Mm-hmm. But they haven't talked about Miles Miles Morales yet and the fact that all the Doctor Stranges in the multiverses look the same. Like, okay, so we've all right, I get it. It's a multiverse. There's no rules. There's literally one of everything. But there's some there's some serious can of worms thing happening here. And I just mm-hmm. I just really want the storytelling to Sure. <laughs> I want all this to be in the service of some some good storytelling instead of just wouldn't it be marvelous if
0: Right, yeah. right, and I, you know, you have to not indulge your cynical, jaded side, which I have one. Uh, full, full admit. Um, is that you know? Did they? Was the was the crux of No Way Home to just get those three actors in the same frame? And kind of. Well, sure, and would of would bringing Miles in have distracted from that? That's the cynical, jaded studio exec in the in the boardroom you know question that you have to ask uh and i don't know i what but was it not amazing to watch uh quasi pun intended it was it was an amazing ride it was an amazing movie i had a lot of fun i screamed i screamed (laughs) so did the theater i was in yeah
2: (laughs) everyone was like oh my god
0: which which i think they wanted to get that magic back and anyone who saw endgame in a theater knows that you know that big scene at the end the entire theater no matter any theater on planet earth erupts at that scene and i think marvel was really hungry to get that magic let's have everyone scream together scene uh which is really cathartic and makes you feel like you're part of a community and just gives you goosebumps
1: At the same time, like the end of that film was a pretty big setup for Spider-Man going dead serious. Yes, yeah. Which I was very taken aback by the sort of how that wrapped up. Because does I mean seriously, no more Ned? That's a bummer. And I love me, you know. I don't think we even have to. I don't think we even have to discuss the supremacy of uh, Zendaya as. (laughs) is MJ right Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I don't want to be done with her
2: I sincerely do not think that we are done with them I just don't see him being without them for too long because they are a big part of who he is whether it's he breaks down which I don't think he'll break down and tell them but I just feel like Zendaya is the type of person where she's going to figure it out
0: it might Uh also but it might also be because they have apparently plans to keep Tom Holland in Spider-Man yes. movies, I could foresee, let's say he's doing two more, maybe he's doing three more. But if he's doing two more, I honestly could see that next one, that fourth Tom one, mm-hmm. to possibly be Zendaya free. They might bring her in for the-
2: I, I can see that definitely.
0: Like Let him grow? Yeah. They might bring her in at the post-credit scene, but I think uh-huh. that-, that that's where it's going.
2: Yeah, I think because yeah. they do.
0: Marvel loves a payoff. And they, they do. And they like.
2: To, yeah, they like the yeah, Spider-Man movies have been so far him and his friends. Yeah. So I definitely see them doing that, especially with the tone they set at the end. Yeah. But I do think we'll see them again eventually. This, Hopefully, this whole I Sony
0: hope. this whole Sony thing is interesting. But yeah. also the way they've decided to handle Tom Holland, um, Tom Holland's Peter Parker post-civil war because they they kind of took this and they ran with it i was like well tony will now be your mentor and tony's gonna be a very big part of your first film and he's going to be a specter hanging over your second film so that's a decision that i don't know what to say about other than peter parker's never really been on his own yet
1: well, I mean, I kind of imagine he's going to get back in with the Avengers, right? Sure. I mean, Spider-Man has been an Avenger in the comics sure. Sure. several sure. times. Yes. Um, you know, sort of getting him back in the group to accept, wait, nobody knows that he's Spider-Man. Jesus, how does this yeah. even work? Exactly. It's so complicated.
0: Which brings us into the fatigue of phase four where people are feeling like, oh, what is? how does all this work? What What is he doing now? Where is this going? Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I, you know, I'm, I'm holding out hope, holding out some faith here. Like I thought that phase four, 20 movies in five or six (laughs) shows in, I just kind of thought that we were now going to get into the point where there was going to be crossovers every single dang time.
1: Yeah. Why? Why? Can you say more about that? Mm, I don't know.
0: I don't know if I have a good reason why I just feel like uh, all of the toys are now out of the toy box. We, we should... kind
1: of have. I mean, look at that Hawkeye movie. You had um, Yelena and Kingpin True. show up True. and um, th- the suggestion that Laura is Mockingbird, mm-hmm. you know, from the comics. Um, what else? Was there something else in Hawkeye I'm forgetting? Oh, the Avengers musical. Jesus Christ. Yes. I almost feel my dance laughing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. So funny. I don't know. I just, uh, I, is is that not, I mean, we didn't get it in Moon Knight. That was pretty much a standalone, but...
0: Right. that I think when I look at Moon Knight and Ms. Marvel and Thor Love and Thunder specifically, I was like, what were these for? Even though I actually really loved both of those shows uh, mixed on Love and Thunder, but I was like, where are these going?
2: Yeah, like, I think my biggest thing with phase four currently is that there's a lot of things that are being fed to us very quickly. Mm. Um, Yes. And you, it's, it's almost like you have to watch everything to make everything make sense. And I, which I'm going to do. Right. Which I'm going to eventually watch everything. (laughs) I just feel like (laughs) there was supposed to be, or there should have been, or I thought there was going to be more, like Jeff said, crossover within like main characters. Like, Maybe you'll see Peter Parker pop up here or you'll see somebody pop up in Peter Parker's movie that wasn't supposed to be in there. Yeah,
0: I think yeah. how I would describe it is I don't know if this is going to be a crochet metaphor or not. We got a <laughs> we got a crafter over here, but I'll let you know. But like <laughs> let's say that Iron Man and even Black Widow and Captain America are these really thick strands of yarn. Oh, so what's this Moon Knight? Is it a bit more of a thin like frail Piece of yarn, yeah. Maybe we should tie Kingo in here, and they'll these this new brand new eternal strand will help the Moon Knight strand get a little stronger there. I'm gonna tie that up. All right, that's good. And maybe Miss Marvel can connect us. I don't know, strengthen it. So, it wait, um, wait,
1: I have a question. I have a question. This, for is, a, you this is an
0: audio medium, and I did <laughs> lots of gestures just yeah. now.
1: the whole, the whole, the whole Phase One and Two was setting up Infinity War. The the, the Infinity War, right?
0: So phase if- one, two, and three is the Infinity Saga. Yeah, right. We are now what in if- the Multiverse Saga.
1: Yeah. Like, what if we know that we know that there's going to be some Secret Wars stuff happening? Yeah. Which may or, may or may not hue very close to the comic books, which, frankly, it's fine with me if it doesn't. Because mm-hmm. that was some confusing <laughs> things. <laughs> but it's... Yeah. I don't know like what if what if this is what if this is uh a phase in which you get a lot of Kang stuff and a lot of different Kangs you know in different parts of the multiverse and and just a few other things like maybe Moon Knight and uh and the Eternals and Black Knight and Shang-Chi are like one piece of it I just it feels I don't. I don't think we necessarily have to assume that, like, it's building toward one infinity saga type type deal. Right? Maybe that. I mean, I'm okay with that.
0: Right. I think you're if right. There were,
1: if there were just several, you know, several big storylines in theory coming together. Of course, I, as people have probably guessed by now, I'm just so. <laughs> I'm so relentlessly tickled by all this. <laughs> I'm just here for it, whatever.
0: Or or was it that everything that was in phase three was at such a fevered pitch? Some of their best stuff is within that. Yeah. Some of the best stuff that they have produced uh, across the board is in there. We were just so eager to get back to that. It's like we just, that's like the big amazing water slide and we're like can't we just go down the water slide again?
2: Yeah, cuz it's and they're like, like no,
0: you've got to walk and then climb and yeah. then get back up to that water slide before you can get that big payoff again.
2: Cuz so- we had we had phase 3 and we were get we were being bombarded with great movie after great movie, great story after great story, but we did have to build up to that during the first and second. So we're basically back in the first phase and like the first phase of the Infinity Saga. We didn't know what was gonna happen. We didn't know what it was building up to until later on and that's when we started getting excited. So we kind of know what they told us, but it still is kind of like, okay, but you have so many characters is everyone going to be involved or is there something else so it that could it, be other a, things that's
0: it the is everyone going to be involved because and i can't get off this and it's my own hang up that like <laughs> i it's burned into my brain it's one of my favorite mov- memories ever in the experience of being in a cinema is seeing everyone come through the portals at yes. the end of Endgame. game i was like are we going to have that is miss marvel but,
1: but but even then like is that what you want to happen at the end of this cycle i'm not entirely sure i need that and like,
0: i and i and i need to get over that, <laughs>
1: yeah. that i think that, that's it, it's also gonna the be, thing. This, it's going to it's going to feel like the same thing again you, you, yeah yep
0: yeah. Yep, exactly, exactly. And then I'll be right back at my Star Wars problem where every trilogy <laughs> is the same trilogy. Um, it's like
2: this is the same thing all over again. The same,
0: this is the, yeah, this is the trench run all over again.
2: I was going to say, oh um, you, you made a good point about, like, it could be multiple big storylines going on and it all doesn't end in one space. And I think mm-hmm. my issue is I need to get over what happened with Infinity Wars because everything led up to infinity wars and it was like amazing and i'm looking for that again but it's like is that really what i want because so far marvel hasn't really given me what i wanted but i've loved it anyway like i wanted loki in endgame i wanted him to be alive he's still dead but i got a tv show
1: out of it (laughs) which i love instead i mean he's got to be back he's got to be coming back in the movies he absolutely has to if he doesn't i'm a riot
2: if he does yeah I'm writing, right i'm writing an angry letter but, to but like the, the,
1: the other thing is I, I, this is this is another this is another uh, weird thought and I, I expect to get like a bunch of <laughs> facebook nasty grams about i wonder i wonder if the emotional like the emotional apex of the infinity saga wasn't the end of um infinity war you know the snap mm-hmm. i yeah. just i have never heard a theater so quiet oh as when like t'challa and bucky and wanda and just everybody Peter was disappearing. my you know my daughter was just like in tears mm-hmm. and it was it was just unbelievable, right? And as as huge as it was for me, it was um, cat picking up the hammer. Yeah. As as huge as the things that happened in Endgame were, I feel like the big achievement was really um, the horror yeah. of of that moment. And I'm 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 almost not I'm almost not looking for the big battle royale. I mean, I guess I'm a bad nerd. I, I mean, I'm, I don't know <laughs> if I'm quite april April, you're
0: not nerding right (laughs) i
1: know i know i need to practice more Uh, i need to practice i'm sorry
0: go ahead though the bat
1: do you know what i I mean though like for me you can do a big battle royale i mean everybody expects that but i mean it was it was like everybody in that theater died a little bit Mm -hmm. during that scene and And I still can't like I watched it during the pandemic and I was like, oh, why did I even start this movie? This Mm -hmm. is like not what Mm -hmm. this is not what I needed to see right now. Yeah. My dad Um, casually
2: watches that. And I'm like, how do you just casually watch? that? Right.
1: (laughs) Like he's like, yeah, it's a
2: good movie. I'm like, huh? I mean, it is. But what?
0: Which brings me back to the I like them just hanging out. Or maybe it's that I just like them seeing in between the battles. Yeah. and I think it's a great point to bring up the the how de- de- emotionally devastating, you know, Infinity War really was. Have we have I'm sorry, Abby, I got to bring it up. Have we ever seen Paul Rudd perform uh, more dramatically than when he reunites with Cassie? Oh, my God. That and was that, amazing. Mistakes. <laughs> oh, now,
1: um,
0: oh. So wow. I think there's something to that. Or, you know, it, it's also it's fun to see them, I guess, after the battles. Mm-hmm. Sorting right. through things.
2: You know what wasn't fun to see after the battle,
1: the end of Endgame.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: that wasn't fun,
1: Mister. And there were like four ends to that damn movie. It was just yeah. like uh, the end of uh, the end of Return of the King. It's like, all right, tie up this thread, tie up this thread, mm-hmm. tie up the jeez mm-hmm. Louise.
2: I will never forgive them for not putting the scene where they all take a knee
0: for Tony. This is a thing too. Yeah. I don't know oh. if you've seen that cut scene on the, yeah, not, yeah, so, yeah. Which
1: then it, right. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: Well, I, I, but there's something to be said that like they they really do treat Tony's death. Like that is almost 15 minutes of screen time. There's a big funeral. There's mm-hmm. a whole thing. So I think they were weighing like, do we want them all taking the knee or do we want that panning shot over the funeral procession of everyone on the shoreline or do we want both? Is it overkill if we have both? That's not to say it's not an incredible scene when everyone takes yeah. a knee. So, um,
2: Plus the panning scene had a few extra people like the kid from Iron Man 3?
0: Who is still in the mix to become Iron Lad eventually.
1: Ha ha. No? I felt, I, uh, this is, I know, you, Abby, you're not going to, I hope I can still meet you in the real world and not get punched in the face, but I thought that the scene with everybody doing the physical homage was melodramatic.
0: Oh, the the knee? yeah oh yeah okay all right well there you go i you're not listening no <laughs> as long as you don't say anything negative about loki you're oh, yeah, okay no. yeah
2: no chance okay, yeah go. No. you you literally as long as we don't talk about
1: loki in a negative light that's it that's all we're you good know. we're fine she's yeah that's <laughs> no. her only note. no 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 her But only- i don't know i mean what what was it what was it you were missing about that just the visual like everybody sort of united in grief in that way I think it was
2: the funeral for me. It was a nice, you know, touch. I like the fact that they did show the funeral, but it was just something about probably, you know, an acknowledgement of because no matter how you put it, no matter how you put it, that's over. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially for someone, because a lot of my friends are my age. Especially for us who literally grew up on this, that Mm. was the, even Mm -hmm. though I was 20 something, that was the end of my childhood, basically. (gasps) So for me and my age group, what I've been hearing when I talk to them is that was that movie Endgame. That's why, like, I'm having such a hard time in general Mm -hmm. with Phase Four because. A lot of things have changed in the past couple of years since the pandemic happened. And then we got Endgame as well. And like, my childhood is gone. I'm an adult now. And um, the people I grew up with yeah. are gone. And that last like taking a knee scene would have been like a nice farewell to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Th- there may be something subtle about the uniform slash costumes that they are all they're all in their you know suits per se yes. when they're doing that rather than actually wearing literal suits yeah. when they pant because you see T'Challa but he's wearing a suit yeah. and he looks great yeah. but if he's in his Black Panther thing and he's ten feet away from a dead Tony or caps there and he's still like there's the I don't know there's something it
2: was a it would have been a nice goodbye for us
0: oh man um, but let's talk about Phase Five yes. are we uh, what, what
1: are <laughs> That's I'm so glad to, I'm so glad to know that. That's yeah. that's probably how my kid feels about it too. And yeah.
2: I just blew right by it. It was traumatizing. I I definitely sat there and cried like a couple of times. It will still make me cry. I'm not gonna lie. That is like one of the yeah. few things in movies that'll make me cry.
0: I mean in a, the ending. <laughs> I, there's something yeah, there's something really powerful though that I didn't because I grew up with Robert Downey Jr. I can remember him in the late eighties, I can remember him playing Chaplin, April, remember that? Yes,
1: um, Charlie Chaplin. So, uh,
0: so, yeah, he was, I think that in a way, he was always just Robert Downey Jr. to me, but the actress who played Ms. Marvel.
1: Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. Um, shame, sir. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I was actually going to bring up Aman Valani, who's playing Oh, Ms. Marvel. Oh, Ms. God, Marvel.
1: sorry, yeah. shame on me. <laughs> um,
0: Kamala Khan, she was on a red carpet, getting interviewed, and being asked who her favorite Marvel character is. And she said, Iron Man, But she went further to say Robert Downey Jr. And self-deprecatingly joked that she's not allowed to meet him because she'll either faint or she'll talk too much or her head will explode or she'll scare him. Because that's how deep it runs for for her, who's probably in her, she's probably 20 now, 19. So again, that same, like growing up with this post-08,
2: same if i if i met robert downey jr i feel like i would scare him off because (laughs) he he's a person he's not iron man but i would literally be like you don't understand how much like avengers and your character and you helped me grow up
0: it's amazing
2: yeah
1: god i think he probably gets that a lot yeah he
0: does he's gonna be like oh little kid great So again, so going back to phase four, it's a lot of table setting, isn't it? It's Mm -hmm. a lot of end game is over. There's there's no more Chris Evans. There's no more Robert Downey Jr. There's no more Scarlett Johansson. Here are a bunch of new people to meet. Oh, by the way, here's a few familiars. You already know Benedict. Here's Ben. Here's Benedict. You know, Tom, Tom Holland here. Mm -hmm. But here's a few other new people. These people are going to be
1: your your, friends, your friends going forward.
0: Sure. (laughs) Right. And it's not like necessarily that it is hugely consequential, like world threatened adventures. Mm -hmm. It's smaller scale stuff. Obviously, Moon Knight to a degree was still saving the world. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up, back up. How can you say, okay, Eternals? Oh, Um, yeah.
0: Oh, yes. Please. I forgot uh, all about uh, Eternals.
1: uh, Uh, Um, Shang-Chi, Yeah, I yeah. mean, we got some survival of the cosmos things going on That's there. True.
0: Absolutely, we did.
2: Shang-Chi was amazing. Oh my gosh. That that was the closest I had gotten to before uh, the new Spider-Man movie to feeling like an old Marvel movie. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that one was, was hitting all the notes, great soundtrack, quippy, snarky, fun, great dynamics, great characters, amazing uh, fight choreography.
2: I think that's uh, besides Civil War. No, not Civil War. Besides Winter Soldier, um, Black Panther, Shang-Chi was the third and only movie that I was like, wow, the fighting in this is amazing.
1: Incredible. Yeah.
2: Those were the only three for me because like the rest of them are fighting all the time. Like, that's great. That's grand. But those three movies perfect i you know
1: and that was that film was the first and last time that i walked in kind of worried about phase four Mm -hmm. because i knew a little bit about the comic book history of the character and just what a racist mess it was Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was like oh god how are they gonna you know how are they gonna do this well by pretty much ignoring it was the answer which turned out to be just right yeah um And, and it was just so, it was just so marvelously, uh, you know, I don't want to call it effortless because man, I know how much goes into writing and, you know, casting these things to really get them to sing, but it was so, it was just so right, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of, of the tone and the humor and also taking itself just seriously enough as it, you know, as a heroic myth, Mm -hmm. dang, you know, and it was like, okay, I'm just going to, whatever, I'm going to shut up about all my worries about again things not being the same again and just roll with this and see what happens
0: yeah i think I'm, if i'm gonna this is a safe space confessional the only moment and i'm right. still getting the the only moment i became nervous about marvel i'm gonna say this on am like abby abby it's not gonna actually offend you okay it, cool <laughs> it's going to alarm you is um Oh man, I, I didn't want to say this out loud. I was so, and I hate to sound like everybody else in the world right now, but I was. What is it, Jeff? I was you? so underwhelmed by Thor Love and Thunder. I'm oh. pissed off about <laughs> it.
2: Oh,
0: <laughs> I'm pissed off.
2: I still haven't seen it because i it was spoiled for me. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a bunch of clips on TikTok, and I am going to go see it because I have to show up and support. But I am also underwhelmed and not really surprised. I'll say
0: this, April. It stuck the landing for me, but I just felt like. If this this is this is a, a linchpin character who's been there almost from day one, mm-hmm. I think I just expected my expectations were too high for it. But I think Natalie Portman what, was great in it. Natalie Portman. What
1: amazing. was what was missing for you there?
0: Not what it was missing. I actually told Abby this earlier. It, it's it's just where Thor was going as a character. I thought that he came off at times almost Jack Sparrow-y in that he's kind of just <laughs> completely too comedic and even like dim, little dim, like I I don't know.
1: But you didn't get that in Ragnarok? Which, full confession, I absolutely adored Ragnarok and I thought this was, I, I enjoyed this as an extension of that. It
0: Ragnarok wasn't... is a 10 out of 10, yes. 1000% love it to the moon. It love. wasn't,
1: he wasn't, to the
2: extent that he is in this movie though like he had a little bit of it but it was just enough where it was like haha that's great that's funny and this movie they took it and that's just his whole personality now
0: i think and here's the thing i think i was ready for thor to grow and i don't think he grew yet i think that after all the grief he had been through i feel like we got glimpses of that in infinity war we got glimpses of that in endgame and i think when he's about to take off at the end of Endgame, he's like all right i'm gonna go hang out with the guardians for a while but i think i need to find myself uh and i just thought i was just i think i was just expecting more uh emotional growth from him
2: i think that definitely was it that he was like yeah i'm gonna go off on my own and do my own thing and i was like oh, okay and then he definitely did
0: his own thing also how do you have all right <laughs> all right i'm sorry how do you wait listen i have to say this i'm like how do you have four thor movies and you are yet to drop onto your soundtrack, Queen's hammer to fall. All right, go ahead, April.
1: valid <laughs> question.
0: Good Lord. It's sitting right there. I'm not
1: following that. I'm just not. <laughs> okay. You guys, I'm sorry. Like the whole, it, it just, the problem, the problem with, with what you saw is not the Thor that you have in front of you. It's that he started out as Kenneth Branagh's Thor. And there's been this radical personality shift, right? And it's true, but I don't know. I mean, guys in midlife go through a lot of things. True. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't think it was that crazy. I think in I could be
2: incorrect. Um, so nobody shoot me. I do think Thor's close to middle age, and he's
0: a, he's one thousand five hundred years old. Isn't that close to middle age? That's Not probably. in
1: Asgardian terms, I'm sure, but oh, yeah. just like in terms of. Well, you know she, he's sort of shaken off the youthful yeah. you know in in like the first film he was just being a straight up idiot right In the second one we started to get emo thor right and <laughs> then lots of avengers things happened and then he was super sad thor mm-hmm. and then ragnarok happened and he was just like fuck it yep you know yep fuck it, thor. that's where he's at and um i don't know like it, yeah. This is this is interesting. I hadn't thought about it until just now, but compare what happened to Thor to what happened to Wanda. There's been a lot of ink spilled over Wanda's arc of loss mm-hmm. and whether Sam Raimi just completely blew up the one truly interesting storyline in the MCU mm-hmm. by ter- by villainizing her. I personally didn't have that problem. I bought it, but a lot of people didn't, and I get that so like thor is just you know he's just he's had the like i feel like we've had a couple of radical grief processes going on here yeah and you know some people some people you know get drunk and climb in a climb in a microbus and drive across the country in grief and some people uh you know write poetry and and you know wear wear a lot of uh you know black clothes from hot topic and stay inside there's just there's different reactions
0: sure i think that's a great Point. That's an amazing point. Yeah, and even Bucky is going through his own thing in uh Winter Soldier. I
2: haven't mentioned Bucky. In I the feel show, like a traitor. You <laughs> this is big Bucky, Bucky fan Bucky. over here. That Bucky.
1: Oh that sh- yeah.
0: That, that <laughs> show was. I think that show was really great, and especially with what what Bucky has to go through. Yes. Confessing to that elderly man what he has done, and just coming to terms with what he's done. So that, those are all great points. So I think that that's enlightened my view on Thor love and thunder
1: why was that that show so controversial falcon and winter soldier because i i liked it when i saw it i recently rewatched it and got a a much deeper enjoyment out of it the Mm -hmm. second time around why are people so down on that series i don't know what
0: it was did they want did they not like the notion that sam would literally take that shield at the bench with old cap and then turn around and say actually no i'm gonna put it in storage is Is that not hitting the right note? Did people think from episode one, Sam is Cap rather than build? That's just my one theory. Or were they underwhelmed by the villain presence in that show? I I don't know.
2: I don't think it was a villain. I think it's that they thought he was going to be Captain America. I think they thought they were going to see him be more Captain America. But my thought on the show was you have to see him turn into Captain America first. He can't just pop up with Captain America, especially him being his character and all the things that implies for him. Yeah. He has to make that mantle his own. Sure. And I think everyone just, or at least most people, thought he was just going to jump into it. And I'm like, but no. I
0: thought it was amazing episode five where you start to really integrate that character who already had the serum in him.
1: Mm -hmm. Isaiah. Uh, Yeah.
0: Exactly. So for me, that show definitely worked. I think that it's... I don't know. You have to be ready for the fact that Sam is going to spend four episodes pushing it away Mm -hmm. and uh, the US agent is going to be in there being um, just a jackass for three episodes and then a murderer in
2: the next episode. So
1: awful. Just the worst.
2: Right. I don't think Sam wanted that responsibility because there's so much more responsibility if he takes up that mantle than if someone else took it up. Right. But he has to take it off. What was especially
0: else? great also about that is that it gave you things that you get with Peter Parker and Scott Lang yes. is that you actually get to see mm-hmm. you get to see mm-hmm. an Avenger go home and just be an avenger at home.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just fixing up the boat.
0: Just you know, <laughs> being a regular guy. So um, I don't know. I thought that was and the the dynamic of Bucky saying like, this is extremely important. He gave you that shield. Mm-hmm. This was my best friend. You're also my friend. I love all that stuff. Um, and the,
1: the scene in the scene in therapy, like I right. I don't know why this <laughs> hit me like such a ton of bricks when when the, the psychiatrist is making them talk and mm-hmm. Bucky goes, you know, Sam's like, what's the big deal? And he's like, Well, if he was wrong about if he was wrong about you, that means he was wrong about me. And I just kind of went, Oh God, that's yeah. why. You know, okay. Yeah. That's I cried
2: man. a bit. I'm not
1: gonna lie. Yeah, <laughs> he my God, my God. I was like, he wasn't wrong about you, Bucky. You're great. This, yeah.
0: this podcast has been going great. We got to wrap oh, up. Oh, it's
1: four o'clock. Okay. Yeah. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: it doesn't so much seem more to like say.
1: Okay, wait, do, do we need to, okay, so what more do we need to say about phase four?
0: I think that we just, we have to remember that it's phase one and we just got to be patient. It's all building back. Start over. We're all getting there. Yeah. Yeah, phase 5 will feel like phase 2, phase 6 will feel like phase 3. This
2: is making me feel better about it. And
0: it it's not going to look the same or sound the same, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's all about that build. Just be open. Yes. Yeah. And you know, we're all excited for Black Panther now, extremely. So Oh my god, I can't even shivers. talk about that trailer. Little I cannot. <laughs> and no one knows who's in the suit. Is it Nakia? Is it Shuri? No one knows.
1: I want his or, mom can, to be you, in that suit. Can we finish on that just like take bets on who's in the suit? Yes. His mom.
0: I think it's a chance that it is his mom. I think that the footage we're seeing takes place during the blip. And I think Angela Bassett was in the suit during the blip theory or it's Shuri. I know I just made two bets.
1: Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb. I think it's Nakia.
0: Okay. I like it. I like that one too. I like that
2: one too. Yeah. I want it to be a woman.
0: (laughs) It's got to be a woman. (laughs) It's got to be. Um, so that's gonna be great we're gonna get to meet namor the submariner who is also a mutant and then we will open that door further for mutants and maybe a wolverine uh
1: so much more to say
0: april bear we have so much more to say are you open to coming back on our podcast to talk more could we do are a- you
1: kidding you're right. gonna have to get a restraining order to keep <laughs> me off of this great
0: so this was phase one of our marvel chats with april bear from michigan radio we'll have a phase two <laughs> soon uh, abby it's been a pleasure to always have you on the podcast it's been great uh this podcast is called a little too quiet it's brought to you by the friends of the ferndale library and if you want to support us go to FerndaleFriends.org. but please remember to rate review and subscribe to us as well and a big shout out to john duffy local musician who brings us the music at the beginning and end of each episode and we say thank you to april Barr one more time
1: thank you thank you i'm so th- i'm so thrilled to be here with you guys and viva ferndale
0: and we'll be back next week with more thanks for listening